0: Welcome to Mission Minded, the podcast where we explore outside-the-box thinking in carrying out Christ's Great Commission. On this week's episode, we are joined by missionary Kevin Donaldson. Our sponsor for today's podcast is Dignity Roasters Coffee, locally roasted and packaged by the distressed to fuel each day. Dignity Roasters was born through a passion to partner with the distressed and the desire of bringing the universally loved beverage of coffee to your hands. To order your own coffee or to learn more about Dignity Roasters, visit their website at dignityroasters.com. Now here's your host, Jim Tingler.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the Mission Minded Podcast. I'm Jim Tingler. I'll be your host today with a special guest in the studio. Hey, Kevin. Hi. So, Kevin, tell us a little bit about... What brings you to iTech today? Wow,
2: this goes pretty far back. I mean, I was involved in missionary aviation uh, for many years, and actually, it was through through uh, accident, if you want to put it that way, shoot down that came to to know Steve and um, ended up here to see what he was doing, and and ended up involved with the Maverick and the flying car that he was involved with and powered parachutes and just the contact through that.
1: You, you have so much to the story and as we will unpack that today um, yeah just appreciate the time you know for you to stop by Central Florida but you're based out of Philadelphia? Yeah, area. just outside of Philly. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of a win-win because we're still in some cold cold weather season here. <laughs> so it's it's a, probably a welcome change from, from yeah, being up in we, Philadelphia. We
2: continue to escape uh, all of the winter we can.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so Kevin Donaldson, and as you just mentioned, you have a story many would know uh, that goes back to Peru. Uh, and that would be involving an accident in aviation.
2: Right. In in 2001, when I was flying with a a family of missionaries uh, from down the Colombian border back to where we were based in Iquitos, Peru, and it was part of the drug interdiction program that the Peruvian government had set up with the uh, U.S. government, CIA, flying the plane. And it was part of that that, that mistaken identity, really a failure to follow procedures on their part that... They misidentified us and shot us down. And um, the wife and baby girl that I was flying uh, were both were killed. My husband and son survived. But, uh, yeah, ended up shooting down the plane and a whole lot (laughs) that went along with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Hard to believe that's been almost 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, this wasn't, you're in what type of plane?
2: Uh, we were flying a Cessna 185 on floats because it was on the Amazon River and all the tributaries. So float plane was really the only option. So not a uh, huge plane at all? No, a six-seat, a little six-seater.
1: And, and uh, the what shot you down was, was not a small plane?
2: Uh, it was a little two-seat. Uh, uh, what they used as an attack plane, a little Cessna, um, well, Cessna jet, but... Yeah, and it was what the military used there, and it was part of a program they'd have had gone for probably five years uh, because Peru was a huge exporter of cocaine, largest exporter in the world at that time of cocaine, uh, through Colombia, so they tried to stop those flights from going from Peru into Colombia. And although, you know, when you look back at it now, you see i flying the wrong direction. We weren't going into Colombia. We were coming from Colombia and you know, the, the U.S. had set up with a tracking plane that they would fly and, you know, were supposed to identify, okay, this is not an unidentified plane. And then they would call the Peruvian military and say, you know, you need to intercept and find out what's going on. And um, They had a list in their plane that had my tail numbers on it, and they just didn't follow procedure over the five years. You know, they had got lax, and so procedure wasn't followed they didn't intercept correctly they say they did but you know it was part of their excuse was that they couldn't fly slow enough flying a float plane it gets pretty slow They're in a jet and they couldn't they couldn't fly slow enough to do a proper intercept but that wasn't my problem (laughs) you know and so but as a result of that they didn't properly identify us and ended up shooting us down 40 rounds hit the airplane and you know went down on fire and, you know, managed to... God protected some of us, but had His will in the other, too.
1: Yeah, I could imagine that's uh, been a difficult chapter, certainly, for your life.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, God gave, opened a lot of doors through it as well. Uh, you know, not just for us, but for the husband uh, and his son there that was able to do a lot of speaking and, and colleges especially, you know, just to make kids more aware of of missions and of of make the best of the time you have. And, you know, so there's God has, you know, bright side to everything, even though it's hard when you're going through it to see that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so you were just transporting the the family, just probably a normal transportation route. And it was husband, wife and two kids.
2: Normally we didn't fly to the border area so much, but it was because the, the daughter the, the little girl, they were actually adopting her, so we had to do paperwork out of the country and back into the country as part of Visa, which you know happens a lot in these. So that's why we had flown to the border area. But it was an area that, taking off from there, I had no radio contact until I was in the air and able to make radio contact. But as a result of that, you know they started tracking me right away because it just happened that the plane was in that area, the yeah. CIA plane, and so...
1: Yeah. Wow. So there's been a a lot of stories created. I mean, you can, you know, go and read articles and um, and plenty of information about that story. But there's more to what God's done in in your life. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that today as well as there's, um, you know, this this often we think of a, a journey to being involved in mission is, is a certain path, but we like to explore different ways in the way people have gotten there and then what God has done in and through their life since then. And so I don't want to make light of that story. It's a very important story, but, um, was there any recommended resources that you would have people if they wanted to learn more about that 2001 Peru uh, incident. Um,
2: well, I mean, there's still a lot that you, like, say you can find online. But I, I was actually somebody we had just visited had a folder file, which we often get people. Say, oh, I kept all these newspaper clippings, and I was just looking, reading through it actually this morning, and a whole lot of errors, you know, because news they're trying to just grab the first thing they can. Sure, sure. And you see a lot of errors there, but the general idea is still there, and and yeah, you can you can Google it, <laughs> you when know, it's yeah. there. So yeah, the, what,
1: what was the family's name?
2: Uh, the family were the Bowers family. Yeah, Jim and Ronnie Bowers, and then Corey was a little boy, and and Charity was their little daughter.
1: Yeah. So unfortunate, but God's working all things together for good. Even from this side of heaven, will not know the outcome. Right. But but you were in Peru as a missionary pilot, and you had been there for quite some time.
2: Yeah, we we were had been there. Wow, well, 2001, we'd probably been there for uh, 12, 13 years or so, yeah. And I had grown up there. I was a missionary kid from Peru. Um, my parents were missionaries on the Amazon River, and so i had grown up in river villages there. And So it was sort of home to me, you know, but we had been there as a family yeah, for a while.
1: Wow, that's great. So uh, how long was your family down in Peru?
2: We were there for a total in the end of 15 years as a family. Um, yeah, after the shoot down and all we, we did return, the mission had no plans then of, of restarting an aviation ministry. The plane was a total loss and, um, that was just personally, I, I didn't want to fly there anymore. I had an interest in aviation certainly, but I didn't see it there. So we stayed a, a bit longer. Um, they'd wanted me to teach in the Bible Institute. I gave a shot at that, but I'm not a speaker. It's not my thing you know, I feel my gifts are more, you know, helps and and being there working with my hands. And so it was through that, that wanting to continue in aviation, that, that our focus was switched to a different part of the world. And, and so that's where God led then.
1: That's great. Uh, Before we get back to it, I think it's an important thing to note. You, you grew up in Peru with your family and when did you feel a call to aviation?
2: Um, Actually, it wasn't, until later when I, I came back to the U.S. then to, for high school and developed an interest in aviation, not really through anybody in the family that flew or anything, but I, as, as most young men, if you look at aviation, you look at the military, go the fun, exciting way. So I was looking towards the Air Force and flying that way. And it was actually through, in my senior year, through uh, the president of the mission that my parents were with, he was speaking at a camp conference and Afterwards, I was talking to him and he asked what my plans were. And I said, well, you know, I'm interested in aviation with the Air Force. And he said, well, you know, God can use aviation. And, hmm. and he pointed me towards uh, what then was Piedmont Bible College in North Carolina that had an aviation program specifically set up for training missionaries. And so I said, no, okay, I'll go look into it. So I went, visited, and ended up there the next year. That's uh, great.
1: I mean, you saw the need. <laughs> For aviation as a part of you know, working right. in remote places growing up. Yeah,
2: certainly the Amazon River is it's it's not a nice straight river. It winds and winds and so the time savings is immense in, in an airplane as opposed to in a boat. You know, and with my parents they had always used a boat traveling the river and so I had seen that and um my dad was sort of an itinerant preacher who traveled along the river and taught and so he was when I finally got there with the plane, he was my best customer. You know, saved him a lot of hours in a boat.
1: What what would be an example of that? I've heard a lot of the, the different scenarios and time boat versus plane.
2: Oh yeah. There were places there that to go in a boat would take four to five days that I could fly in forty five minutes in wow. an airplane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's night and day right there. Yeah. So So Peru, obviously growing up there, you had a heart for it. You served there for a number of years, but there's another chapter after Peru. So maybe take us on that journey, what happened next? Okay,
2: yeah. Um, We we still had, like I say, an interest in aviation, and it was through a contact through the mission with another fellow who was a pilot in Africa, in Uganda, Africa, and talking to him, He had gone to Uganda to fly, but that had also been closed. And so he was looking elsewhere as a means to getting into a closed country, to use aviation into a country that you couldn't get in as a missionary. And so uh, one of our churches had paid for me to fly over and, and talk to him and see the work there. And just brainstorming together, we decided on an area of the Middle East to be able to get into using aviation. And so... Um, they were still pretty bound there. We were, we could pull up pretty quick. So we did and and went then to the Middle East and still not knowing what country we would be we would be working out of, but we're there and doing a bit of, of Arabic language study and same time doing survey trips into some of the countries there. But definitely with the idea that it wasn't going to be normal flying, it was going to be something more of a sport type flying as a means to reach to be in the country as a business and yet have a means of, of hanging out with whoever, you know, young people and stuff in that way. Hmm. And that's how we got into uh, the idea of powered parachutes, you know, which was, we actually then went and presented that to, uh, to the mission organization and they were all, everybody just sort of looked and said, uh, okay, we've never had this before, but, um, And basically said, okay, we'll give you the green light. We're not putting any money behind this, but, you know, do your thing. And it's amazing how God opened doors uh, there. And, you know, we ended up in in the United Arab Emirates. But through when, you know, we wrote back to the mission, well, we got our visas now. And they're like, really? Wow. Yeah, it's a royal decree. Because we ended up getting connected with a flying club owned by the royal family in the Emirates there and you know, visas were a royal decree from the sheik, and and set up our business there then at the flying club and were there for nine years yeah.
1: so and what type of flying so for those who might not be pilots and aware i know you mentioned sport and powered parachute and so how do those operate and and you know what what would those even look like to somebody who's not aware of it yeah
2: it's it, it, very different yes um uh, the whole sport idea being just a means to you know to have fun flying because there okay. there's pilots there's airline pilots and all who often are looking for just wanting to get back to the roots the basics of flying and that's what this club was set up for it was just small aircraft and um, we did what we called fun flights where people would come pay just to go for a flight and, and the whole power parachute side was something that they weren't doing there but we saw as a as a unique thing and it's basically a, a three-wheeled cart if you want to put it that way with two seats and a propeller on the back that uses a parachute as its wing you know and so when you run to take off the wing comes up and you, you fly slowly you know they're 25 30 mile an hour airspeed and and great visibility and just knees in the breeze as we say you know it's out there in the wind and so it it was a, a very enjoyable, you know, and went quite well,
1: yeah, it sounds like a unique way to use your your passion for for aviation and be on mission with it
2: right yeah and and you know the idea of these come as the ones we sold came as a kit from a company in Canada, and then we, they had to be assembled and you know and then do the training and our initial idea was that we would get young people that would come and work with us in assembly. Um, that perhaps we didn't see as as clearly uh, because ended up that there most of them, they just buy whatever they want. They're not going to get their hands greasy to build anything. And so that was a little different, but uh, being able to spend the time you know with them actually and training them and, and it was all based around a clubhouse. So a lot of the time, uh, you know my wife had a huge opportunities there just hanging out with the weekends whole families would come just to watch the airplanes or take a flight and just the time sitting around, talking, chatting, asking questions and, Mm -hmm. you know, just that personal contact is because, I mean, you can't be there just on a soapbox preaching, you know? Right.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think that goes back to challenge that, that paradigm, you know, of somebody who is going into the world of mission and the idea that you're going to go and and be on a soapbox somewhere but in reality uh, god is using people as you know somebody like yourself using the talents that they have and passions and saying okay what kind of business uh, could i support and have in this context and really bring value to a community and then i'm reminded of paul just becoming all things to, Mm -hmm. to all men for the sake of the gospel
2: yeah i mean that that was from the very beginning had you know, had it been like that, preaching and stuff, I would have probably never been in missions, you know. But even from when I was a kid, my grandfather always said, "Learn anything you can, God will use it." Hmm. And you know, and my bent was the mechanical side, and and you know that whole area. And so you know, God used that, and I saw then you know through aviation with missionary aviation the use of of that that aspect of it. But yeah, so much more.
1: That's great. Yeah. And so that that season and chapter is kind of wrapped up for you now.
2: Uh, yeah, we we did. We left uh, left the Middle East uh, back a, wow almost nine years ago now because um, of my wife's mother got cancer and they would asked us to come home to care for her. And but we're sort of set, base settled there in the Philadelphia area. But we still uh, travel pretty extensively, one or two trips a year to the mission fields, you know, and. and whatever areas construction and and at this point taking young people with us generally if it's not too uh, too crazy of a trip and just trying to pass the baton to get that interest in young people too to see the world beyond their high school
1: (laughs) I love that I love that part of your story and and so how old are you I'm 62 62 and so I think that's a great challenge for those that might you know at that season of life have more freedom maybe more resources to be able to do things that you're very concerned of passing it on passing on the baton to that next generation and so what what encouragement might you give to those that maybe are wrestling with well what what would this next generation be interested in what i have to provide or maybe a little bit insecure about that
2: right yeah um yeah there's I've just seen you know through the years that God can use anything and and it's it's now with the with the you know internet and all that, and so much that you can search and find places like iTech you know that that can have so many different branches of and it's not just standing there preaching you know that God can use in ways like that and you know even the young people we've taken from our church you know on construction projects yeah you know God can use a roofer yeah you know to do a expand, project, expand yeah.
1: expand get a vision for the field and yeah. yeah heart for his people working around the world Yeah,
2: and at the same time some of those will be you know frontline missionaries preaching yeah
1: <laughs> you know. that's good stuff well kevin any final thoughts as we have uh, just had an opportunity to have a quick conversation here about the work and the the journey god's brought you on
2: um nothing in particular I guess just it's been good to come back we always try to come back to high tech now and then when we're coming through here and touch base there's always something new happening here and that's what's exciting it's exciting to see the new the new angles that, that you know ideas and and ideas that other people bring in and just to take them sometimes they work though Maverick as as we know here and and my experience with the flying car you know it was an idea that it didn't quite develop as planned.
1: You know, but yeah, it, so it, you are you are certified. You're a pilot for the Maverick. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I came here and got checked out with the Maverick, and actually the first civilian one that they sold, you know, to was to the sheik there in the Middle East that I had uh, worked with, and you know it, it ended up being a little more complicated. It's not a, a simple machine, and and they ended up crashing it. Nobody was hurt, but um, yeah, that one didn't end up so well
1: yeah yeah well it was a interesting journey we've we've learned a lot you've learned a lot and again god is working all things together for a bigger story than than you or i can see this side of heaven so yeah
2: certainly is certainly is there's reasons behind things that we don't know now you know and but you try to focus and take what god where god puts you and what he talents he gives you and and work with them
1: give them to him
2: and he'll find a way to use them for sure
1: amen so, for those that might be wrestling, you know, younger younger adults, and um, you're you're a little bit further along in life, do you feel that you've missed out on something by choosing a career and, and of uh, purpose and being on mission?
2: Oh my no no! I I like I say I grew up in, in Peru in river villages in the jungle. I had two older brothers who were twins, sixteen months older than me, so we were just three boys in the jungle, and you know, then when we come back to the States and people say, oh, do you know this TV show? i like, we didn't even have electricity. No, I don't know anything about it, but we did this and this and this. And like, it was a fantastic way to grow up as a boy. And so, no, I, I it's nothing really I can say. I feel I'm, I've i missed by it. It's been a far bigger picture in a bigger world than most people that I find in America stuck in their little their little world, their little bubble. Try yeah. to get them out of that.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you doing that. And I'm very encouraged by the work that you're doing just in your local church, just being on mission and trying to include that next generation and the work that's going on around the world. So, thank you. Yeah. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. And, thank you for having me. Yeah, and thank you for joining us on this episode of the Mission Minded Podcast.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Mission Minded. For more information on today's topic and show notes, please visit our website, itechusa.org. Mission-Minded Podcast is produced by iTech. The goal of this podcast is to inspire conversations about Great Commission participation. The views, organizations, and individuals represented, interviewed, and discussed on the podcast do not necessarily represent an official position or formal partnerships with iTech.